DVD Clutter is recorded on the unceded lands of the Wurundjeri people. We pay our respects to the Elders, past, present and emerging, of the Kulin Nation and to other Indigenous Australians that may be listening. Hi, I'm Beck. And I'm Paul. And this is DVD Clutter. Hi, Paul. Hey, Beck. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks. That's great. I'm ready to talk Hanks. Oh, again? Yep, he's back. We are on to our third Hanks film. Yeah, like this is like the hump film, you know? Yes, that's true. The middle film. And is it going to take a downward spiral? You know, we had that thing you do, which we both kind of liked last week. Is this one going to tip us back down the hill? Yeah. Who knows? Yeah, we'll find out, I guess. This week we are looking at Big. Mm-hmm. Um, the 1988 film? Correct. A fantasy comedy drama. Yeah, it's got it all. As Wikipedia describes it. <laughs> Obviously starring Tom Hanks. Mm-hmm. And as a young boy, 13-year-old, who makes a wish and overnight turns into a 30-year-old. Or thereabouts. I don't think his actual age is ever really specified no. as he wakes up. Yeah. No, it's just like an, an adult. I'm an adult. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, as... As he wishes for, he's big. He wished to be big, and now he's big. Yeah. Um, so, do you want to tell us a bit about the first time you watched this movie? Do you have any, like, is it the same, same from when you bought the box set? or? I do actually have some, like, specific memories of this film. All right. So, the first time I saw it, I was actually staying at my uncle's and auntie's house. Right. So, my uncle and auntie lived in Melbourne, and sometimes, like, when the Melbourne show was on or whatever, we'd go to their house. And I remember one night watching Big on the TV there, mm. which was pretty exciting. Um, a big exciting part of it was at that time... A big exciting <laughs> part of it. Um, at that time, Channel 7 was doing this thing where it's like all its branding was like rainbow. and <gasps> For the gays? Uh, I doubt it. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, me too. <laughs> but... Look, it was a minute hope, but... Yeah. <laughs> but what they were doing, um, like, when they were showing movies, is that they'd, when they'd go to break, they'd show, like, a little bit of the movie or, like, you know, with the, the title over the top, but they'd edited some of the bits in it to be rainbow-coloured. Oh. So, like, um, I remember one of them for this was the Genie Machine, which we'll talk about later. It's has light speaks. bulbs around it. Yeah. And that changed all of them to the... Bought the rainbow colours that was like Seven's marketing. Oh, and I just remember cool. being like, "Whoa, yep. how have they done that?" <laughs> the special effects are so cool. Because I, I don't know if you found this too, like growing up in the country, having Prime and Win as opposed to Nine and Seven. Seven seemed like oh yeah, no TV. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but Seven seemed like such a big time thing, even though it was like the exact same shows, but it was all like. Obviously, a bigger marketing budget. National yeah. news, not like... Uh, yeah. Okay, yeah. I, I didn't really know the difference until later on. I, I just remember being like... Sorry, I can't share really that impressed you. by, yeah, the national broadcaster. Mainstream Channel yeah. 7, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, then, and then I don't think I watched it again until when I got the box set, which was we've pitched at year 12 slash first year uni for me. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, thanks for that. No worries. <laughs> <laughs> have you have you ever seen it before? No, never. I don't think I'd even heard of it. 
So familiar with the concept of these films, which we'll talk about um, a bit later. That's big is obviously not the first film to delve into the like. Suddenly, I'm an adult, or suddenly yeah, and, I'm a teenager. And not the last, and nor will it ever and be the last. Not the last. You know? no, it will go right. on. That's right. Forever In fact, there is there's one released this this year called Little. I think it's called where a CEO who's like a real bitch apparently then becomes a little girl again and finds out like what it was that made her become such a cold-hearted CEO. She finds her soul again by going backwards until when she's younger. Um, Yeah. Is it like a play on big? The fact that they called it little? (laughs) Um, It probably is, but I, I read that it's not like directly associated maybe maybe but yeah i'm not sure but yeah surely i didn't read a lot about it sorry that's right came out with that fact (laughs) this is a big podcast not a little podcast that's right and it's well it is a little podcast in that i didn't do a lot of research (laughs) but it is about the film big (laughs) all right well shall i give us a little bit of a plot breakdown to jog our memories yeah for sure and for our lovely audience if they haven't actually seen the film this will, you know, help you understand what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. So, we are introduced to our main character, Josh Baskin, who is 13 years old. He's played by David Moscow, who... Has he done anything else since then? Let's uh, I meant to look him up, but I only found that he, you know, is an adult now and kind of looks a bit weird. <laughs> As um, is the case. Well, I think he's still kind of... It looks like he's still in the industry. It looks like he's done some producing and he directed his directorial debut, which was a psychological thriller called Desolation in 2012. Nice. So, well, there you go. Um, so he's still, like, kicking around. Tom Hanks obviously plays him as the adult, which we'll get to in a second. So we're introduced to this 13-year-old. He's got a best friend whose name is Billy, played by Jared Rushton. They're, like, pretty cute. They're 13 years old. There's a girl that he likes who you kind of see on the street somewhere, and she obviously likes him. She, like, gives him a smile, and he's like, oh, they don't really know how to deal with it. They're still pretty goofy. They're, like, definitely not suave yet. They're, like, like, you know, playing around, being idiots together. And then... That night, his parents take him and his little sister to the fair, which has come into town. And he suddenly sees that the girl that he's crushing on is lining up by herself to go onto a Ferris wheel or some ride. It's actually not a Ferris wheel. It looks like some scary ride where you go upside down. Um, So he is like, leave me alone, parents. I'm going to go. I'll meet you in like an hour's time over by here, but I'm going to go off and do my own thing. And they're like, okay, fine. And then he goes and like sidles. He pushes through all the crowd, and, which I can't believe people let him do, actually. I know, right? That, that, yeah. I thought that was, yeah. <laughs> I would have been like, you get to the back of the line, you na- naughty, nasty little child. That might just be Mrs. Trunchbull coming out. And so he finally like sidles up to her and he's like, oh, hey. And she's like, oh, hey. Or whatever. They start talking. He's obviously nervous and doesn't really make well, he kind of, he gets along, he's fine. Until suddenly her boyfriend turns up, or some old, some guy who can drive and is like, he must be like 16, which is a bit weird because yeah. the girl must be 13. So there's a lot of age things in this movie that I'm like, oh, uncomfortable. Well, no, nah, look, I, I haven't thought about that, but he okay. says he's he's 14. Oh, he's 14. I think, yeah, I think she's 13. 15. Doesn't he say 14 though, when at the end when the I lady asks how old he is? I think he says 13. Oh, okay. On Wikipedia it says 13. Okay, my bad. Anyway, I thought he was 14. But either way, if he's 13... Let's say, let's say he's 13, she's 14, and, and then the boyfriend's 16. Yeah, yeah, that's better. Still illegal. 
but I thought it went 14, 15, 16. Yeah. I don't You're right. Think it does so. say 13. Yes, yeah, <laughs> I'm glad that we've sorted this out. This is the most important issue. <laughs> Look, there are going to be more age things that are going to come up as we go. So yeah. it's important to get them right. Yeah. Um, I demand that it, it does not get edited out. <laughs> it won't, trust me. Okay, so the boyfriend comes back and he's like got some popcorn or whatever, and he's not—he's not that much of a dick to Josh. He's just like hi, um, and Josh yeah. is like oh, and Josh is quite little compared to the boyfriend and the girl that he's crushing on. So she's like quite tall, as is the you know the way when we were all younger, girls tend to shoot up much more quickly than boys. So mm-hmm. there's you know as a twelve-year-old, you're way taller than all the boys around you, and as a twelve-year-old girl, I should say, speaking for myself (laughs) and and then so anyway the three of them are kind of like awkwardly progressing in this line and then josh goes to like get onto the ride whatever it is and the person running the ride is like hey no you can't go on there and then he kind of points to a sign that says you um you must be this high to ride or whatever it's called you know those signs everyone knows them yeah um so he's not tall enough to get on the ride how humiliating he's there with this girl that he wants to impress um, and he is not allowed on the ride because he's too small. So obviously it must be really humiliating. Feel sorry for him. He's obviously really pissed off. So he's like scuffing his shoes and and then he kind of over to a, like one of those machines that you think you're going to go and like twiddle some little stick things and pick up a, you know, you put the $2 in and then you... The grabbing machines, yeah. Yeah. The claw. What are those things called? Yeah, like the claw. Skill tester. That's it. Sorry. Oh, is that what it's called? Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, they're always a ripoff and you're never going to win. But anyway, so he goes over, it's called Zoltar Speaks. And it's like this person who's all made up, not a person. It's a automaton sort of thing. Thank you. It's an automaton that is made up to look like a fortune teller, essentially. But uh, I always, I think of fortune tellers as being women because that's traditionally, I think, how they're normally portrayed but this is a male fortune teller it's called zoltar speaks so you like put your coin in then you have to shoot the little ball into zoltar's mouth and then your wish will be granted so he like puts his like coins in and then he shoots the little ball into zoltar's mouth and he wishes to be he like says his wish and he's like i just wish to be big and then he gets a little card that comes out that says your wish has been granted and then nothing happens then he's like oh okay fine um but then he realizes oh my god the machine wasn't even plugged in holy moly how can it not be plugged in it was like flashing lights you know it all looked like it was plugged in so he kind of thinks nothing of it goes home to bed with his parents who I forgot to say this as well this is quite funny when he went to like try and be cool and line up with the girl she goes to him oh are you here alone and he said yes and then she goes aren't those your parents and then the camera like pans over and his mum and dad and little sister are like waving yeah. really excitedly at him <laughs> they're like oh, hug. go Josh go Josh um, anyway that was pretty cute so overnight there's this massive storm winds mm-hmm. hail everything kind of like what we had in Melbourne this week yeah crazy stormy here as well and he wakes up and suddenly he's a adult takes him a while to figure it out he's like looks in the mirror he's like what the fuck you know there's that whole kind of sequence of him going what's going on he freaks out steals some of his dad's clothes runs out the door doesn't let his mum see him and goes to find his friend billy who he then has to try and convince that it's actually him and not you know some strange man trying to yeah. kill him. so <laughs> eventually he does this by like singing their little they have a little song that they sing together so he like sings the song and then billy's like oh my god it is you and then they kind of decide oh god what are we going to do and then they want to try and find the zoltar machine again so he can get back to yeah. being a 13 year old but the 
the fair has packed up and they're all out of town now. So they think, oh, okay, well, I better go into, I guess, I don't know why they decided to go into New York to try and find the Zoltar machine, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they live in New Jersey, so it's not like they it's forever away. Yeah, yeah. which I, we were like watching it and we were like, God, where do they live? Because they just, yeah, they, they literally bust there and then Billy busses back that same day. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's not super far. Um, but he, there is a sequence where he, he goes home first and he tries to convince his mum that it's him. So she yeah. kind of sees this strange man, you know, entering her house and just saying, I'm your son, I'm your son. Look, I've got a birthmark here and blah, blah, blah. And she obviously doesn't believe leave him because who would so she like kicks him out and then he and billy like formulate this plan where they're gonna get to the city and they're gonna try and track down a zoltar speaks machine which they try and do they can't do it then they eventually they go to the city hall and they get a list or they they have to like file some documents and um, eventually they'll be sent a list of like where all of the Zoltar Speaks machines are yeah. in the state, I guess. I don't know, in the area. So they can see where the carnivals are kind of going to be so they can go and find them. And then the lady's like, that'll be six weeks. And they're like, oh my God, six weeks. Oh no, what are we going to do? So they decide that Josh has to stay in New York because he obviously can't go home. Mm-hmm. So they rent a shitty little hotel room, which is like quite confronting because it's in like a, a poor neighborhood. <laughs> There's lots of like gunshots and chaos going on. Then they decide that he's got to have to get a job. So they like do up a resume to together or kind of like no they don't even do a resume they go to apply to a toy store because they're like where else should we work and they just like fill out the thing and they're trying to copy someone else and blah 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 blah. anyway he gets the job which is pretty amazing so he gets a job as like a (laughs) there's a lot about this film that is the fantasy part and not all of it is uh is when he turns into an adult from a 13 year old so he gets a job doing data entry yeah like data like sitting at a desk blah 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 but he's like really like cheerful and he just displays a natural aptitude for understanding how games work. So he catches the eye through, through his like goofy ways. He catches the eye of the CEO, what boss, whatever you want to call him. The person who's like at the top of the top. And he gets another job that is in development. So he like, well, first of all, he's like testing toys and then they want him to start developing toys. So his career is progressing quite quickly. Yeah. So obviously with all this cash, he's, you know, he's like, whoa, got all this money. He gets another apartment, which is like massive. (laughs) And he buys like all these cool stuff that a 13 year old would like to buy and have in their house so he's got he's decked it out with all these cool things like a trampoline yeah. what else like a pinball machine a pepsi Soda machine machine yeah, yeah all that stuff yeah so he's having like he's he's getting really successful at his job he's having fun at his job as well and he is also attracting the eye of a certain young lady and some romance starts to happen between them mm-hmm. um she was initially like kind of set up as a bit of a antagonist because she was like having sex with this guy who really starts to hate Josh because Josh is uh, becoming really successful and he's really jealous of that success. Anyway, this woman like eventually gets won over by Josh and they sleep together and they start dating and which I'm not sure about that, but (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Um, And they start dating. It's great. Everything's great. But then he's like, starts to get a bit stressed. And he's like, fuck, being an adult is actually quite stressful. And he's like being a bit nostalgic. All this time, poor old Billy has been trying to like keep in touch with him. But suddenly it seems like, it seems like Josh is too, literally too busy to hang out with his friend Billy. He's like, oh no, I've got to get this presentation due. I've got to like get this ready for something else. I've got a meeting with so-and-so. And poor Billy is like, what happened to you, man? Eventually yeah. he kind of stops taking Billy's calls. And then finally Billy gets sent the list because it's been six weeks he gets sent the list of where the Zoltar machines are and he's like this is it finally but still Josh won't 
talk to him, won't take his calls until eventually he just like rocks up. He pushes his way into Josh's office and he's like, he no, he just writes down the name of where it is and he's like, puts it on the thing and he says the address and then he leaves. And then Josh has a little think about it and eventually decides, yep, I've got to go and become my 13 year old self again. So he does that in the middle of a presentation, actually. He's like presenting on this great idea that he's had in developing a new toy and he's just like halfway through the presentation, no, nah, I gotta go. Yep. And then his girlfriend runs after him and then they have like this whole discussion and she's like, what? I don't believe you. And he's like, it's true. And then eventually he goes and does the wish again and then she drives him home to his parents and when she looks back, you know, she like, he leaves. And then when she looks back, he's a 13 year old yeah. again. Um, and that's the end of the story. Yeah, that's that's it. That yeah. sums it up. And I, I really like the, the way that when you talk through that plot too, like so much of it does happen on that front end in the end. And at the second half of the film does sort of, there's not actually a lot that happens, even though it's about the same or if not longer in length. Like the second half is in after he is big. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, there's not a lot that happened. It's a lot of like, I guess, like exploring the adult world maybe. Yeah. Rather other than like big life changes. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I could have gone into more detail about his relationship. Yeah. Which I think we'll kind of, we can talk about a bit more now. Yeah. Um, we'll probably jump into I should say that the woman who plays his girlfriend in the film is called Elizabeth, or her name's Susan in the film, and she's played by Elizabeth Perkins. Yeah. Who, yeah. yeah people might know from Weeds. She was one of the leads in that. Probably oh, the biggest thing. There you go. Hmm. But yeah, I guess re-watching it, that was my biggest, I don't know, criticism thing. I feel like most of the stuff that I remembered either from watching it or sort of through pop culture it's all, all sort of happened and I pressed the info button on my DVD player and it was 40 minutes left and I was like, 40 minutes? <laughs> what the fuck are you going to do for another 40 minutes? Yeah. Um, yep. So yeah, it did drag a bit at the end. Yep. Look, it's still... A very kind-hearted film fits very much in with the Hanks brand, as we've sort of been discussing over yes. the past couple of weeks. And look, some of the bits ha do make you feel a bit a bit weird. I think that's sort of the, the point of them, though. Um, but I think would be handled differently in today's setting. I still think it was a, overall a pretty good film. The, the standout is Hanks' acting performance, really. That's like, I totally understand why this was sort of the movie that broke him from sort of like teenage well you know like goofy uh, comedic film guy to someone who can actually do stuff because there's mm. just yeah some some moments in this movie just uh, amazing from him and i think without him or with someone of lesser acting caliber this movie might not be as um might not have had such an impact as it did mm. especially as you said because that there's so many of them that have the same premise yeah yes totally <laughs> yeah there's so many. Like, the first ones that come to my mind are 13 Going on 30, which was big when I was a teenager. And I love that film. It's I think, like, a good body swap film is great fun because it's always, like, you know, something yeah. that, you know, it's kind of, you know what's going to happen. It's pretty safe, but it's funny. There's, like, you know, the, the awkwardness of suddenly being old or suddenly being young again. Yeah. All that stuff. Especially, I guess, 13 Going on 30 was about a gawky 13-year-old suddenly becoming 30 and being sophisticated and being, like, you know, loving her life and stuff and having money to spend and that I think that's one of the big joys and that this film actually does has a couple of great scenes in the storyline of like being a 13 year old and then suddenly having a disposable income yeah. and being like what does what a 13 year old buy with a disposable income it's kind of like um, that film is it Blank Check or Richie Rich or both where they have you know like the kid has like the McDonald's oh yeah that's his, Richie Rich um, yeah. <laughs> yeah and Blank Check is kind of similar I think when he just gets this blank check and he can just buy whatever he okay. wants <laughs> yeah it's a similar kind of film yeah so there's that there's 
is that enjoyable phase of of become suddenly becoming an adult and yeah i think this this film was interesting in that it like i didn't see that the switch to realizing how stressful adult life was i didn't really see that happening until that very last minute yeah and it wasn't so much that he seemed to be stressed out by adult life but more so i think he seemed to get a bit bored of it you know like yeah i don't know like his relationship was going pretty well there was one scene where she asked him like where is this going and he kind of didn't really understand what she was meaning but like i couldn't really like for me i was like your life is pretty good so yeah i I wish they had have delved but i guess it's kind of a hard line to a hard line to uh, balance because they still want to be a fun movie don't they they want to be a light-hearted movie they don't want to really delve into the hardships of being an adult yeah Um, that's it but i think i think they could have maybe done a little bit more with that because i felt a bit i was like well, yeah I don't know. Yeah, I, I, yeah i'm also got the impression that he kind of like was missing his family and missing his friends rather than hating or finding life too stressful but yeah what it like it is sort of like a tantalizing prospect coming at this now watching it as an adult and just thinking if i had a big presentation or something i was stressed about at work i could just be like i wish i was Dick it again, bye. <laughs> but then also, yeah. like, she, Susan, the the love interest, has a great reaction to when he says, he actually says, why don't you come with me? As in, why don't you use the Zoltar machine and wish to be 13 again? And she's like, I don't want to go through that again. Yeah. Like, I don't want to go through that hell again. I already did that once. And I have, I was totally with her. I was <laughs> like, I would, being a teenager was fucking hard and I don't want to go back there and do it all over again. Being a teenager is a rough time. So, yeah. To force yourself to go back to the age of 13, ugh, I don't know if I could do it. Oh, yeah, I, I totally agree. And But I think maybe, yeah, it's sort of just trying to say, you, you get Josh's idea, because he, he does want to experience himself, though, but it is one of those things that she's like, yeah, you should experience yourself, it's great, but you don't you don't need to do that more than one time. Yeah, 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 of course, yeah. Should we talk through some of the characters? Yeah, I think so. Because this is a very, like, Josh-centric or Hank-centric film. Really, it's for some reason like I thought that the the boss character had a much bigger role in it, uh, Mr. McMillan, but he sort of just jumps in and says, "You're great," and jumps out. Yeah, yeah. He he helps some key plot points kind of happen. Yeah, and I guess like the most famous scene from this movie, like the it's everyone would sort of know from some sort of yeah pop culture reference is the giant piano, and that's Mr. McMillan and Josh playing the giant piano in the toy store where. Mr. McMillan yeah. sees that Josh has this fantastic youthful spirit and it's that... Yep. A zest yeah. for life. It's where there's a giant piano in the toy store and they start playing Heart and Soul and Chopsticks on it together. When you say a giant piano, it's on the floor. Yeah. Like it's a, a floor piano. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it's an electronic kind of thing that you jump on and it makes a sound. Yeah. And they did that themselves. Did you know? The actors did that themselves. Oh, wow. That was very impressive. Yeah. That was one of my facts that I looked up. Apparently they had people on, like, dancers on set ready to take over. And then apparently that, like, really... Because they had the two... So Robert Log- Logia, I think his name is, who plays Macmillan, who's the CEO. He had, and Hanks had been practising for months on like a huge cardboard cutout version of these piano keys. So they were, apparently they were really motivated by the dancers being there because they were like, oh, we'll fucking show you. (laughs) And so they... (laughs) 
Oh, that's brilliant. And so they did it. Yeah. Um, it's a great scene. It, that scene, like if nothing else in this film, that scene does bring a smile to your face. Yeah. It's really sweet. Laura wanted me to quote her because her main comment throughout this whole film was, that's fucking stupid. <laughs> throughout most of the film. But she liked this scene until she just thought it went on a bit long and then her patience was tested. Yeah. But I think she's got, a, she's got a short attention span. They, so I think that's more on her. They didn't need to do the encore when they got into a second song. That's true. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. So maybe we'll... Do you want to talk about McMillan for a bit there yeah. while we on him? Exactly, yeah. Um, he's kind of like... I guess for me, he really reminded me of like a um, Willy Wonka kind of character. Yeah. Like a, a forever youthful and a very idyllic version of what the toy industry would be like, surely. Yeah. Like... Yeah, I think it's a... I just think... A lot more like um, the John Hurd character, the pole in it, who's like charts and we have to try and get dividends i don't know how business works <laughs> graph graph yeah yeah so i mean it was enjoyable to have him there on the screen and it was kind of like again very fantasy like i think you just really have to delve into you have to lean into the fact that it's a fantasy film not a oh you don't really find out much about him really apart from no. he is sort of like yeah just a plot device to get josh more money so he can do Higher, more, more power yeah, more money more crazy yeah. things and and to sort of push him and susan along yes that's right um so not a whole lot to say about him i he he did have like a preference for for josh's point of view which i understand why the other character was annoyed at that mm. and there's that there's a scene where they're in this like pitch meeting and the poor guy who's the kind of nemesis becoming the nemesis is like doing this pitch about some new transformer and um josh just goes i don't get it what's the point and all this stuff and like there was that whole there was a bit of a storyline about like which is fine like he should be able to say that i don't get it and there needs to be some kind of i agree there needs to be some kind of he was kind of saying there's no narrative here there's nothing exciting there's nothing like there's no story for you to put together yeah. it's boring so I understand what I think. I think toys need to be able to create. You know, stories need to be able to come from from toys because that's what they're used for. Yeah. But it annoyed me, and I'm probably being pedantic, but it annoyed me that they were like, "We've tested this on blah 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 and blah 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 blah, and all of our market research says that this toy is going to be successful." And I get that market research isn't always, you know, it doesn't always point you in the right direction, but they've also got bunches of kids playing with things. Like it's not like their research. It's not like he just went, "Oh, I'm going to make a." this shitty toy and it'll sell really well. Like they had done a lot of research into that. And for him just to go like one person compared to all that research for him just to go, Oh no, it seems boring. I'm like, Oh, I don't know. Like trust your market research sometimes. (laughs) Yes. Is that, is that a dumb comment? (laughs) I wouldn't call it a dumb comment, but I guess it's, I feel like it's sort of outside the spirit of the film. (laughs) It is, but I just, it annoyed me because it perpetuates that thing of like, Okay, this is why it annoyed me, and I you might think I'm taking a big leap with this. Go for it. But, okay, it annoyed me because it perpetuates that thing of, like, I'm going to believe my own gut feeling over what the research is telling me. Yeah. And that is why we have climate change deniers, and that is why we have COVID-19 deniers, because I'm going to believe my gut feeling over what the research is telling me, and that fucking irritates me. So that's probably at the root cause of this outburst. Which I didn't realise when I started complaining about it. But we've worked through it. Yeah. Thanks, Paul. I feel better. <laughs> no, you are very right. And it's like, it is, it's part of the, again, it's part of the um, moving the pot along so you can get to the scenes where he's got so much money and is, you know, but it, it is yes. just ridiculous that 
someone can just be in like a high pressure like financial situation just go i feel like this instead and everyone's like oh yeah that's great let's just do that oh my god yeah amazing yeah, yeah. like yeah don't trust one youthful seeming man over your actual market and you know yeah. go and research it on some other kids first anyway that annoyed me um, so I can, un- I feel for poor old Paul, Paul, <laughs> is that his name? Yeah. <laughs> poor old mate who I've forgotten <laughs> the name of because he also loses his girlfriend to this guy, Yeah, which I think they had a very open relationship anyway. Yeah. It seemed. Yeah. Um, yeah. but he also just seems so negative, you know, you just gotta be more positive, Paul. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's, that's how life works. Um, um so yeah. Let's talk about the, the said girlfriend. Let's talk about Susan. Because right. this is a big one, I feel. Okay. I was a bit disappointed. Like, obviously, last time I'd really watched it... Well, I watched it at some point in my teens, but was, I guess, in a stage of my life where I was consuming media, ra- media rather than um, actually, you know, engaging with it. So I think last time I watched this movie, it was just for the sake of watching it. But I was a bit disappointed mm. watching it this time to have a film with a female director... And a 50% female writing team um, that Susan mm. was. We should say who they yeah. are. So it was directed by a woman called Penny Marshall, who's done a bunch of other stuff, including directing A League of Their Own, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. And um, writing in Cars With Boys, which is like a big one. Oh, yeah. yeah. The more recent yeah. one. And written by Anna Spielberg, I want to say. Is that her name? Anna? And Spielberg, I think. And yeah. there you go. And Gary Ross. Yeah, and that other guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yes. A lot of female power there. Yeah. Um, so I was kind of disappointed to see that the Susan character was so underdeveloped. Like, she didn't really seem to do a lot. Um, yeah. I mean, I actually disagree wholeheartedly. She had a big... Uh, <laughs> a big... She had a big journey. She had a character arc from villain to lover. And this was uh, really shown in her hairstyle. I don't know if you noticed yep. this. Wait, I just, did you I, notice what they did with her hairstyle? I want to double check. You are taking the piss, right? Well, I am taking the piss, but I'm also kind of not because they tried to make her have a character yeah. arc, but I wonder how much it was done so badly. So this was uh, produced by James L. Brooks, director, probably known to most as um, one of the developers of The Simpsons, who, oh, yeah. and he's notoriously a prick and, oh. you know, I don't know if we'll get sued for slander, especially really does when... Allegedly. Allegedly. allegedly when he works on projects, does you know, dive in uh, pretty hard and, um, mm. you know, pushes pushes his weight around a bit. So I, I wonder how much that influenced any positives. No? Mm. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, back to uh, Susan. Yeah, so I, I tend to agree with you. She She's a bit of a wet blanket for most of the film. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, they do, they do try and give her that character development. And like I said, it is shown through her hairstyle. She went from having like her hair really pulled back because that shows that you're nasty and also a businesswoman. That's what I'm doing right <laughs> a now. A nasty businesswoman. So, nasty businesswoman. Hair back. Hair out. Feminine. Yep. Friendly. Caring. Approachable. Caring. Exactly. So you'll notice if you watch the film again that she starts with her hair out, but then once once Josh has softened her heart, she starts wearing more feminine clothes and wearing her hair out, which I was like, come on, eye roll. You could do better than that. Yeah. There is a great... There is a fun scene with her on the trampoline, though. Yeah, do you want to talk us through it? Well, I don't remember how... Oh, they're at a party, right? Yeah, so, yeah, actually, I, now I remembered it, I can talk it through if you like. <laughs> um, yeah, they're at a party, uh, Susan gets a bit sick and tired of it, 
and clearly Josh has had enough of it too. So she offers him a lift home. Um, there's some yep. hilarious scenes in the limo because Josh is so excited about the limo. Um, yeah, and she's like wanting to like bump chicka wow wow. Yeah, and um, you know, there's another semi-classic scene I think, and it was definitely highly highly used in the in the trailers for this, where they go up to his apartment and she's like, oh, you know, I guess such a long way home or something, and he says, oh, do you want to sleep over? Okay, but I get to go on top, and then you know he's got the bunk, <laughs> he's got the bunk beds there. I did laugh. At it that. is. It, it's it's pretty funny. But yeah, then he he invites her onto the trampoline because she's first of all a bit weirded out by as you sh- as like that's the bit that also like annoys me a bit like surely you'd just be screaming this man's a pedophile right yes <laughs> a pedophile or like like some kind of murderer like some kind of you'd be like oh this is like a peter pan situation not like the beloved children's story but more like the michael jackson mm. ranch called neverland where he's like you know it's it's kind of gone down that alleyway for me if i walked into that room i'd be like this is weird. But she hasn't... I think she has an ulterior motive to seduce him. So she's kind of trying to stick it out, right? Yeah. Yeah. And um, then she doesn't want to go on the trampoline. And then he pulls her up on the trampoline and her icy heart warms up. Yes, exactly. All her cares are bounced away. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. And it is... Trampolines are fun. Are. I, when we saw that, I was like... We should. We need to go to bounce trampoline world yeah. or bounce. Yeah. And then Laura said, "Classic Laura. Do you know how many accidents <laughs> in that place? <laughs> Fucking paramedic. I was like, how many accidents could happen? There's trampolines everywhere. Yeah, right. The whole, isn't the whole thing just like one big trampoline? Yeah. You can't have an accident on a trampoline. No, nah, not at it's all. It's only when you fall off the trampoline that's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it, it is. It's a fun scene. But um, I, yeah, and and the. Night and like they don't sleep together that night, which is good. I I literally did not think they were going to sleep together. I was like, "There's no way they would make them sleep together." Because I, for, I forgot that still they 13. did. And um, I was oh you did? Yeah. I forgot that they did. And I was talking to back when we were allowed to go to work. I was talking to Joel from work, who I mentioned on the podcast before, and he yeah. mentioned when I talked they were going to do big eventually. He said, "Yeah, it's pretty good until you sort of remember that like they fully slept together." And I was like, he must have forgotten that they don't actually end up sleeping together. She ends up sleeping on the bottom bunk. So I was so relieved when in the, I saw in the movie that that's what happened. My memory of it was right. But then a couple of yeah. scenes later, they go on another date. Yup. Yup. And I was like, no, no, no. Oh, God, no. Which is so weird. This is even made even weirder by some other things I found out when I was having a bit of a research. The actress Deborah Winger, who I don't know, but she's famous for... Um, an Officer and a Gentleman and Terms of Endearment, which I think she got Oscar nominations for. But she knew Penny Marshall and she kept trying to convince her to change the gender of the character of Josh. Oh, yeah. Presumably so she could play it. <laughs> um, but also, you know, we always need more mm. female-led yeah. films. So I agree with her. But Marshall apparently said that she couldn't do it because she couldn't see a way to make it. So this is a quote. So she couldn't find a way to make a 35-year-old man in a relationship with a 12-year-old girl not be, then in quotation marks, something from Penthouse or Hustler. Ugh. So she, she, yeah. So she, she was like admitting there was something wrong if the character was a girl, a 13-year-old girl in the in a 35-year-old or in a 30-year-old woman's body, then it would be too weird to have her have sex with a 30-year-old man. But also not for pedophile reasons because it was. Something out of penthouse or hustle, yeah. which is like, no, that's not the reason it's wrong. No, I mean that should be that. Sh- that is also wrong. But <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> but the 
age is the thing. But also the gen, like that's so weird that that's okay for a, like she real she is like no definitely couldn't do that with a girl but it's okay for a 13 year old boy and a 35 year old woman like i don't know it's weird the way people assume that young boys if a young boy is preyed upon by an older woman it's like he w- he was into it and it's not sexual assault do you know what i yeah. mean yeah i found it weird the way that this film did lean into sex yeah like i get it that that's sort of like a thing that teenage boys you know it's something that they're starting to discover and it's something that they're sort of like you know oh my god like you know boobs and if they became an adult they might be like you know i can like there's that one scene where yeah, they might they might totally want to do it yeah and there's a scene where you know billy's like oh you're an adult so you can go get us like um dirty magazines and beer like you know this, yeah. that's sort of part of it but i don't know i just kind of felt like this whole film's relationship to sex kind of felt oddly too specific but also like it sort of like bubble wrapped to an extent as well like it was it was sort of separate to the story but it Not separate enough that they sort of just would just say, okay, now we're not going to sort of explore the sexual thing. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I think they needed to make their mind up about what kind of body swap film they wanted to be. Like, did they want to be one that really did lean into the the actual realities of being an adult, along with exploring what that would be like to have sex for the first time as a 13-year-old in an adult's body? Or did they want to be a happy-go-lucky fantasy film with a with a Willy Wonka character, which is like, you know, the joys of being adult are really joyful. I don't know, like, I feel like there was, it was, there was too much of that, like, happy-go-lucky stuff for the the sex and the the strangeness of that to be explored properly. Yeah. It was too incongruent. That's exactly what I was trying to get at, except you put it um, in a lot better words there. It Well, it, no. <laughs> it yeah. was just... Your your thoughts helped me speak that. Yeah. It was a team effort. But yeah, it was just so jarring yes. the way that it ended up being in there yes. that it made you feel uncomfortable. I mean... Yeah. Yeah. There, there's a couple of bits of that. And I think with the sex one, they didn't stick the landing because, yeah, they were indecisive. But then there's also, I guess, you sort of feel uncomfortable with that whole notion of surely, and you know, as I mentioned before, surely everyone would think this man who hangs out with a smaller boy who keeps on ordering, you know, a hotel room with a small boy has all these these toys and surely everyone would think he's a pedophile. But I understand that the film couldn't just have everyone go, hey, do you think that guy's a pedophile? You know, like that was part of the fantasy of it, but it is hard. Yeah. It's a big elephant in the room to ignore. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like, I don't know. I didn't really think about that with Billy so much because I think a lot of people thought like they kind of mentioned him as father his, and as son, his son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like yeah like oh you have to leave your son out there um which I, that was always funny because then they look at each other and giggle hysterically because yep. it's ridiculous um that was kind of cute but yeah I totally get what you're saying yeah yeah maybe they should have lent into that a little bit more like about the father-son kind of yeah yeah, yeah totally yeah I yeah. thought they would actually I was mm. expecting there to be way more of that than um than there was um like a bring your son to work day even like you know it could have been cool yeah you're right but yeah getting back to susan i guess yeah i also wanted to talk no no we talked about it actually don't worry (laughs) 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 i just about the same conversation again do you have anything else to say about susan or should we move on to someone Um, else should we jump jump to billy Briefly? Yeah, oh, As really, we sort of just yeah. bring him up. Yeah, I thought he was a real highlight of the movie too. Yeah, so good. That actor was <laughs> yeah. so good. Yeah. I'll mention his name again because I know I mentioned it before, but um, it's Jared Rushton. And I'll have a quick look to see what else he has done. While um, you do that, I'll just sort of explain why I thought he was so great. I thought he got the, the tone of the movie, like, pitch perfect, probably along, along with Hanks, that you didn't get that sort of jarring feeling that you got with some of the other characters or actors when they were in scenes together. Like, as as silly as it was or as um, fantastical as it was... 
there was some believability in his performance that made you forget that, which, as we've discussed, wasn't always the case. Yeah, it's crazy. And I felt like I know that the acting is good when I feel like really safe and comfortable when the character's on screen. Um, yeah. Like, you're like, you, oh, I'm in safe hands here. I don't have to worry that this person's going to mess up. Or it's the same when you go and see something live. You're like, you know, when there's someone yep. who you're like, oh, they're not on their game tonight. You feel really anxious for them. Yeah. It's the same in this. Um, and I felt completely like he had it completely under control. And he's a kid, but he did mm. such an amazing job. I thought that he was yeah. really good. Yeah. I thought he was great. Yeah. When, when he believes that, you know, his friend has turned into a 30-something-year-old, you believe it too. Just And I think that's yeah. just holding his performance and, him and Hanks' chemistry think as well yeah yeah and he's just such a like practical kid he's like all right he stole this money we're gonna do this here's what we're gonna do it's gonna be okay i love that line that that actually that exchange between them when um josh finds out that billy had stolen money and he's like what what the hell are you doing this is crazy and then billy's like yeah it is crazy like this is an emergency (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's right this is full on (laughs) yeah yeah Jared Rushton, who played Billy, hasn't done much more stuff recently. He looks like he was in kind of TV up until around the 2000s, um, but it doesn't, I can't see much since then. Yeah. He was yeah. in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, I heard a really great interview with a child star on a podcast I was listening to about um, child stardom and that sort of whole idea of us looking back at these kid actors and being like, oh, why didn't they go on? And, you know, mm. and she was sort of saying, you don't sort of go back and look at kids that won every swimming race in their high school and go, why didn't they go on and become an Olympic athlete? It's sort of like, as child stars, you know, you do things because you're a kid. You're like, I want to be the best at that. But then you grow up and you're like, that's not actually the career I want or that, you know. Yeah, or and even I've stopped getting roles. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah or, oh, yeah, well, that's not... But I think she was more saying that's not always the case. It's not always the yeah. sort of like... They couldn't oh, have it. they wanted to and they yeah. didn't yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, and I found that really interesting because, it, yeah, it is sort of weird. You don't sort of go, the kid that got an A in a spelling test, why, you know, why aren't you a writer now? Why aren't you writing a dictionary? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You couldn't hack it. You failed. Like, and you I thought failed. that's, you know, that's um, fairly important um, to think about it that way. But but he was very good as a kid, and I'm glad that we got this performance from him. Same. It was great. Um. So do you want to talk about the man himself? Let's talk about the tea man, the Hankinator. Um, in, in this together, we'll talk about baby, baby Josh. Yeah. As well, who is... Once again, let me find it. Who is played by um, David Moscow. Like I said yeah. before. Moscow, Moscow. Moscow, Moscow. Ah, <laughs> oh, yes. Anytime I can make you burst into song is a good day. <laughs> um, um, look, yeah. I thought David Moscow probably in his few scenes wasn't as good as Billy. And you can probably see that they, yeah. that's why they probably cast Billy as Billy and um, Josh as Josh, you know? like. Um, well, actually, I heard yeah. in my research that... There was lots of different people who were considered for the role of adult Josh. Um, Tom Hanks initially couldn't do it because he was already committed to making a film called Dragnet. So they were like, no, he can't do it. And then Robert De Niro wanted to like get into the more family style film. So he was going to do it. Oh, wow. But then he, it was too pricey. He was going to demand like $6 million. So they were like, no, we can't afford you. So then after all that had happened, then Tom Hanks was like free again. So he said yes to the role. And apparently from another article that I read, it was partly because 
Robert De Niro had been considering the role that it gave it like it hyped it up a bit in the in the world of you know trying to get roles and whatever oh, um, yeah. so he was more likely to say yes to it because Robert De Niro had also considered this role so it must be worthy of something so during that whole time as that was happening between Tom Hanks and Robert De Niro oh, Peggy says yes very interesting David Mosco was so first of all he was offered the role of young Josh and then he didn't look enough like Robert De Niro <laughs> so they made him they were like okay now you're going to play Billy and then they were like oh actually just kidding now we've got Tom Hanks and you kind of look like him so it's fine for you to play young Josh okay. again brilliant yeah. yeah and then there's more there's more to that story are you ready yeah yeah there were other stars who were also um asked what do you want I better let her out hang on yeah hey all right so back to the character or yeah. back to casting the character of Josh adult Josh so Tom Hanks was the first choice, but because of him being busy initially, um, other ones who were asked are Kevin Costner, Warren Beatty, Dennis Quaid, all said no. Mm-hmm. John Travolta was like, me, 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 me. Yep. But apparently at the time, this is in Penny Marshall's memoir, the quote is, at that time, he was box office poison. Wow. I know, and I was like, oh, why was he box office poison? So I looked up what he'd been doing before that, and I think it was the three Look Who's Talking movies, Ah, really. I liked those movies. (laughs) (laughs) They considered Sean Penn, but apparently he was too young. Gary Busey was auditioned but um penny marshall didn't like him and then we went down the robert de niro and then eventually tom hanks came back on board so quite the roller coaster in casting the adult josh and And yeah poor old young josh was like you'll play this one oh no you'll play this one oh no you're back to playing this one and it's so weird to sort of hear like you know what we know of hanks now is sort of yeah such a a big deal but him not being a big deal and seeing De Niro being that big deal that you sort of see Hanks mm, off now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but I can't uh, imagine I think, De Niro playing that role. No, but it would have been a younger De Niro. I don't know. It, I yeah. know, I know, yes. I know. Yeah. And I also have trouble imagining him as a younger De Niro. Yeah, it's it's crazy. But like, yeah. as we mentioned, I think last podcast, this was Hanks sort of, he'd done all those stupid comedies and this was his first chance to really flex his acting muscles. Yeah. And um, and he did in this role. And I, yeah. I, yeah, as I mentioned, he's fantastic in it. I think there's two key scenes that I think really sold it for me. But there's lots of other little moments too. But the the scene where he spends his first night in that New York hotel. Yeah. And you can just see, like, you know, we all remember being young and missing our mum. You know, <laughs> and it's yeah. just, you could, the way you that he portrays it. Yeah. yeah. It's just yeah, it's real, it's so scary, isn't it? Sad. incredibly perfect. Yeah. Um, and that's what I think, yeah, sometimes this movie, again, it's a bit of a weird sort of vibe to it, but when it does get that bright melancholy tone, perfect it, it works really well and the same yeah. sort of when it gets that spooky tone too a little bit when we're dealing with um the fortune telling machine yeah um, yeah but yeah you just kind of if, if you thought of it like a dish the seasoning doesn't quite balance throughout um yeah <laughs> but the other the other scene that i think is amazing for hanks and actually i remember getting this scene described to me by my year four teacher i can't remember the con- context but <laughs> it was like tom hanks in this movie big he has to play a kid in it and he's at a party and he has to eat all the um, foods they've got there. Yeah, the and canapes. Just, yeah, canapes, that's it. And it's just a perfect sequence of, like, you see him, first of all, like, just really dipping, like, double dipping, triple dipping into this yeah. sauce that's there. Then he gets a baby corn, and he doesn't oh know what God, to do with it. Oh, my God, the baby corn! 
This was another bit that Laura loved as well. This is definitely a highlight for us. The baby corn was amazing. Because he hadn't seen it before, so he just treats it like a normal corn cob and tries to eat it like just the little yeah. little um, yeah. kernels of the we, cob. And we all know if you haven't eaten a baby corn, they're usually canned. You eat the yeah. whole thing. Yes. It's all soft. It's all edible. You don't have to leave the cob behind. Um, but the best bit of them is that when he finally gets on to trying the caviar that's there and yep. just the full sequence of him just putting it in his mouth and you've seen it on kids before, <laughs> just that, uh-uh, no, no, uh, uh, and he's pulling it out of his trying mouth. To, and like, like trying to scrape it off his <laughs> tongue. Yeah. It's just perfect. It's just the commitment yep. to it there is just great. But, you know, there's so much more of his performance too where he's just got these little ticks and stuff that are very much of like a 14-year-old kid that's... Yeah. You know, um, very uncomfortable yeah. in his body. Yes, yes. I feel like it was... Sometimes I felt it a bit like... I thought maybe it was a bit over the top. And it also reminded me a lot of his performance in Forrest Gump because there's similarities mm. in that Forrest Gump yeah. is very childlike in its innocence. And I think that that similarity kind of... I didn't love seeing that similarity, I think. Uh, it was a bit like... I thought it was kind of over the top. But then I try and think about what it actually would... Like, if that was a 14-year-old or 13-year-old actor doing those movements and that body language and that tone of voice i probably wouldn't think it was over the top but i don't know maybe i just yeah i just needed to buy into the the fantasy of the whole thing a bit more yeah Yeah. but interesting fact another Mm. interesting fact for you so um oh um i'm being phoned sorry can i um, can i pause for a sec yeah yeah sure i'll pause too Listeners, we've had a brief interlude in which my beautiful nephew Ben called and asked to see Peggy. Not his auntie Beck, just Peggy, which is fine. I'm not jealous of her at all. Anyway, back to the movie. <laughs> yes, uh, we were talking about Tom Hanks and... So, yeah, interesting fact. Another fact that I found when I was researching is that... So David Mosco, who plays... Sure, you all know who he is by now, but he played 13-year-old Josh. So Penny Marshall had him act out all of the scenes that adult Josh goes through and they filmed them and then Hanks used that as a reference as a guide to like how he would act how he would like use his body and voice and everything yeah so it was he, I guess when, when he was he was really trying to mimic those 13 year old ways of being ticks yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 so that seems like a lot of effort to go through to get something right but it obviously worked mm. and um it is really interesting too that you bring up the fact that you think sometimes you went too big. So I think that's a really too big. <laughs> Sorry. I think that's a, a really no, it's great. Um, interesting part in I guess Hanks's evolution as an actor because you will notice in the next two films that come up in this box set before this sort of stage and before Hanks, well, yeah, before Hanks sort of ran in, went to his run of sort of really quality acting and, um, you know, dramatic roles. His sort of style was was just to sort of go big. It would sort of be the, yeah. you know, da-da-da-da-da-da, and then something outrageous and loud and, you know, move the body. And I was listening to a podcast talking about Hanks a, f- a few weeks ago, actually. You've you know, gone weird. full immersion, yeah, Paul. That's it. But they were talking about, like, Hanks and Adam Sandler are actually, you can see a lot of parallels, especially, like, the early Hanks sort of thing, like the, you know, you, an yeah, Adam Sandler I feel performance. Like Adam Sandler hasn't. He, he never left it. He never, yeah. yeah, he never sort of, and I guess we look at this stage in Tom Hanks' career, you could sort of see him and Adam Sandler the same and then the paths diverging. Yeah, Because yeah, yeah. Adam Sandler still does that thing where he like, you know, he'll just be like a normal guy and then someone gets him angry and he starts yelling yeah. and um, yeah. being sarcastic. And that's very much, which we'll see with Hanks in the next two films we look at, was his yeah. sort of go-to, and yeah. this film I think really broke that mold and allowed him to um, allowed him to take some uh, steps in his ability. Yeah, 
Well, that's, yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, like now when you think about Hanks and Adam Sandler and you're like, oh, couldn't think of two more different people just, you know, in terms mm. of the kind of person that you would want to hang out with. But yeah, it's, it's interesting to, to kind of go backwards into Hanks's career and see that that's kind of what he came from as well. Yeah. And don't worry, Beck, we've got plenty of Adam Sandler coming up on the podcast over the <laughs> Do next... we actually? <laughs> 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 well, do you know, despite myself, I think I really enjoyed Billy Madison the first time I watched it. Now I'm like, fuck, I don't think that mm. was a good movie. Yeah, no, it'll be interesting because I haven't watched them in, in years and years, so it'll be interesting to see them. I wish again. I had more films. I feel like it's really, it's going to be, this is just a really biased podcast soon because you obviously have an immense number of DVDs and I don't have that many. So I feel like maybe I'm just going to start buying some more. You can just start scented. picking movies that you've seen on. Um, <laughs> on Netflix. On, on Netflix. Well, more. what I would want to do more is maybe doing some films that I had already given away before we started doing the podcast. Some yeah. DVDs that I'd already given away or DVDs that I've lost but remember having that I'd really like to do. That sounds really good. But did you have anything else you wanted to add on Hanks? I don't think so. So he was nominated for his first Academy Award for this performance. Um, yeah. And he lost to Dustin Hoffman for Rain Man, which is... Oh, interesting. Very interesting. I, I've never actually watched Rain Man from start to finish but I, I don't know I, I wonder if that performance still sort of holds up I've seen Rain Man and the whole way through and yeah I think there's always going to be I mean it's kind of, I guess it's kind of the same with with Forrest Gump in a way like mm, yeah we we want to see more actors with lived experience playing some of these characters rather than yeah you know your, your straighty 180 white guys who have all the privilege in the world playing characters who who have these challenges um so yeah i would agree that that there might be some questions about that holding up yeah um, and, and we just uh, keep advocating for more more diversity and more opportunities for diverse people playing diverse roles yeah yeah that's and that's it and that's what um i was getting at the listeners at home when i say does it hold up like i'm not trying to say that philip seymour hoffman is not a, a fantastic actor which he is but yeah philip seymour yeah. hoffman Dustin Hoffman. Dustin Hoffman. <laughs> I was like, Philip Seymour yeah. Hoffman was in that film? <laughs> I was, like, I was um, like, well, my memory is so warped <laughs> if that's the case. <laughs> oh, dear. And they're all Hoffmans. Yeah. But, yeah, just what you were getting at there. Like, it does... We're in it, hopefully, in a better era, era now. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, there's yeah. still lots of non-trans people playing mm. trans characters and straight people playing gay characters, which, I mean, I don't know. I think it's... Comp- yeah. That, that, that whole debate of do you have to have the, the experience to play the character and it's acting so no you don't have to have the experience to play the character but let's advocate for more opportunities for people of diverse backgrounds because god knows there's fucking a million amazing trans actors out there and a million amazing actors with disabilities so why not utilize yeah. that and why not spend the extra effort to try and find someone with that experience exactly the the film also lost out best screenplay to rain man as well it's right. other nomination yeah, yeah, so I don't know if I've got much more to say, really. No, I, I can quickly... The DVD version that I've got oh, yeah. um, that came in the box set didn't have... Oh, it only had a theatrical trailer as the special the special feature. Right, okay. Yeah. And it's a pretty poor... Um, like, I know we don't talk about this a lot, and maybe we should if we're actually a DVD podcast, but it's a pretty poor transfer of it, too. Like, it's quite oh, grainy. really? Yeah. Oh. Um, it doesn't feel like a lot of effort was put into producing the DVD. And I'm sure different versions came out later. This was this one feels like a very early, you know, get it, get it to DVD sort of thing. Right. Oh, that's a bit disappointing. That must have been a bit hard to watch. Yeah. Like, well, you know, it's, it's not the worst thing happening at the moment. 
<laughs> oh, no, no. I think we really need to talk about this. But yeah, it definitely wasn't a selling point. No. So not probably not as bad as when we tried to watch that pirated version of Kill Bill. But no. You know, getting getting uh, yeah. there. I'm just, oh, just yeah. looking over my facts. There's just two other things that I... Two other facts that I thought you might be interested in. Oh, yeah, go. And then are we ready to wrap up after that? Yeah. So first of all, should have said this earlier when we were talking about those body swap movies. But there was heaps of them coming out around that same time. Yep. It was the fifth age change comedy to come out within that year. <laughs> Brilliant. And apparently when they were filming Big, um, Tom Hanks and Elizabeth Perkins, who plays Susan, kind of looked at each other and were like, oh god, this is going straight to video. Yeah. Because they were just like, oh, there's so many of these similar movies coming out at the same time. Well, again, I think that probably speaks to, I don't want to put it all on Hanks, but I really do feel like his performance is, is the strong thing of this movie. And yeah. um, to, to last in popular culture, where all those other ones have disappeared. Yeah, and unless you're a big fan of those movies and you're listening in now, I do apologize. Um. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. Sorry. Don't alienate our audience, please. And my other, my final fact, which is quite oh, yeah. a uplifting fact to lift on. Mm-hmm. This was her second movie directing job and Penny Marshall with this film became the first female director to ever direct a film that made more than a hundred million dollars at the box office. Yeah. Breaking Pen- that glass ceiling. And Penny Marshall is, you know, a fantastic actress. She was in um, Laverne and Shirley, that TV show. You heard of that? Yeah. Um, yeah. I didn't know she was in it though. She's Laverne. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I only know her as Shirley. I only know her as a director. Oh no, she's had a whole TV career. That's how she came into directing. She started directing on. I think her first directing job was doing a, a episode of Laverne and Shirley. Yeah. Oh yeah. You. Yeah. Uh, Definitely looking at this up now. Wow. Yeah. Good on it. Yeah, I know. Um, and I wish we could do a League of Their Own. Do you own a League of Their Own? It's made me very nostalgic to watch that movie. No, I don't, um, unfortunately. But I highly recommend going to watch it. As I mentioned last week, I really felt like Toy Story. So I watched that this week as well. Oh, as did you? extra hanks. <laughs> and had a great time. Yay. Um, all right then. All righty well, then. We come to the pinnacle. The pointy end. The decision end. Dun, dun, yeah. Dun, dun. It's not going to surprise anyone, but this is yeah another vote for the op shop. Oh, ouch! Oh, I don't think I don't think op shop's always an ouch. I I got not, not a lot against this film, but it's not one that I'm ever going to think go and pull out. Go, I really need to see Big right now. No, yeah, I probably will never rewatch it to be honest. All right, so Paul, let's round this up. So we've got one to keep that thing you do. Mm-hmm. We got two to the op shop road to petition and Big. Yeah. And next week we are looking at the man with one red shoe. Yes. Is that right? Did yep. I get that name right? Oh, sure God. is. Which I'm assuming you haven't received yet. We have seen I have it through not. snail mail. <laughs> I have not. And to be honest, packages are taking a long time. Sorry, Australia Post. I know things are rough right now, but things are going real slow through snail mail. So hopefully we get it in time. Yeah. So yeah, that is very much sort of like mid zany comedy career Hank. So right. I look forward to it. Yeah. Well, great. Thanks Paul for this lovely chat about the film Big. Ah, oh, thank you, Beck. Yeah. Um, remember we're on the social medias. Well, kind of. But also, there's an email address there. People should email us. Yeah, please email us because I haven't updated the socials for a long time. So you're probably not going to have any luck there. Email's your best bet. Yeah, DVD clutter. D-V-D-E-C-L-U-T-T-E-R. That's the one at gmail.com and also on, you know, Instagram, Twitter. Facebook. Facebook. It's all there. If you want to scroll through our back catalogue, yeah. you know. And I might get around to doing it sometime soon. You never know when inspiration's going to grab me <laughs> and, um, and anxiety's going to leave me. So <laughs> those rare moments that coincide. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll hold out for one of those. All right, thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. 
lady. You are the most meowy cat I've bloody ever met in my bloody life. Laura. 